0: Um there's there's nothing like uh hearing the sound of redeemed men and women, boys and girls who have a song to sing. Amen? Amen. There we go. I was wondering if how many folks were redeemed in here. Um got a little nervous for a little bit, but but just to to hear y'all sing, I know uh and and I know because I I am one of you. uh I, we're 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 in this uh this this road. We're on this road together. Uh, but you, you come in with all kinds of different things right you come in with uh, with all kinds of, of drama uh, you've had some things over the last couple of days that maybe was was just in over or you felt in over your head you felt overwhelmed uh, and and to come together and hear each other sing of our God who is so awesome <laughs> He's such an awesome God. I don't know about you, I just, I needed to hear y'all uh, this morning uh, just sing to my soul and remind my soul just how awesome of a God we serve. So thank you uh, for singing. For those of y'all uh, who, who, who weren't singing, thank you for thinking um, <laughs> that that God, was, that God is indeed who he says he is. He is our awesome, awesome God. For those of y'all who are here and your visitors, welcome Uh, It's so uh, good to see y'all here. Uh, We don't consider it any accident that you're here, uh, frankly, because we, we don't believe in accidents. Uh, we believe that there is a God who exists, this awesome God uh, of, of whom we sing, uh, that he is in charge of all things and he works all things after the counsel of his will. And so you may have had an alarm clock, you may have had uh, music, you may have had a phone call or whatever that woke you up, but but ultimately God was the one that woke you up. And, and you may be able to thank GM or Ford or Honda or whatever. For making a vehicle that was capable of getting you from point A to point B, but God is the one that got you here. And and we believe that he brought you here because he's got a word for you. Uh, He has something to say that he wants you to hear, and it's found here in the pages of Scripture. And so without further ado, let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. If you're unfamiliar with your Bible, uh, or if you don't have a Bible, um, there are a couple of things. One, uh, we'll have it up here on the screen, uh, but also if you're sitting next to somebody and you know, they're, they're nice and kind and generous and so on and you say, hey, I would love to, to just kind of see what, what he's talking about or whatever, feel free to scoot over and everything and uh, I'm sure they'll be more than happy to share their Bibles with you. Uh, but uh, turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter five and when you're there, say, I'm there. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, and we're beginning at verse 1. Ephesians 5, beginning of verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering, and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be Thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes "...upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true." And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake. O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray that our Lord would give us insight and understanding, both to hear and to heed this amazing word. Let's pray. Father, we need your help. These are treacherous times, to be sure. times where a word like this may not necessarily be the most welcome word, and yet, Lord, in times like these, it is the most needed word. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak. Lord, I pray that that what is said would line up with what is heard, Uh, that people may not hear what you aren't saying that they would hear and only hear what you are saying. Lord, I pray that it would not be couched in in a tone or, or an atmosphere that runs counter to your heart. For you are a God who dearly, dearly loves sinners. So Father, I pray that the good news of your grace and your love would come crystal clear even as we hear this hard word. Thank you, Father, for Jesus, our Savior. Lord, I pray for those of us who have trusted in him, who do trust in him even now. Lord, I pray that the roots would dig even deeper, that we would trust in him, and love even more because we have been deeply and dearly loved by him. And for those who do not know Jesus, who have not entrusted their lives to him, Father, I pray that it would be crystal clear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That there is no other hope in life and in death except him and him alone. May may they turn from their sin and may they trust in him wholeheartedly that they may be saved, saved out of darkness into his marvelous light. We ask great things, Lord, because you're a great God, and you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. So, Lord, magnify your name today. Bring us, Lord, into a place where we can say with you, worthy, worthy is the one who sits on the throne, and worthy is the lamb to receive all blessing and honor, glory and power forever and ever. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hmm. There's an old adage that says that more is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. Uh, what it seems to get, uh, the point that it seems to make is that uh, we are more shaped by imitation than we are by just wrote education. Uh, of course, you know, you've, you've sat in classrooms before and, and you've learned reading, writing, and arithmetic uh, by, by rote memory, right? You just kind of say them over and over again. You've learned equations just simply by saying them over and over again. Historical facts just by saying them over and over again. But you realize that the vast majority of your life has not been shaped by rote memory uh, and, and rehearsal or anything like that, but it's been by imitation. It's by watching people, living with people so much that, that who they are really starts to become who you are. You know this, right? My little brother, uh, Christian, whom I love, this year he turns 30, in my head he's still six, uh, but those of you who are older siblings know all about that. Uh, when he was in high school, he was a really, really good basketball player. Um, he, he, he hurt himself a little bit, and that kind of slowed him down and, and really kind of spooked him uh, before he got into college, uh, or else he really, would, I thought, would have been a really good uh, uh, college basketball player, too. Um, but he used to always wear number 24. He wore 24 because his hero was Kobe, Kobe Bryant. And, and even to this day, I guarantee you that if, even if he has a balled up piece of paper and he shoots it into the trash can, you can probably hear, even from North Carolina, this faint Kobe as he shoots it into the trash can. That's him. You know, he just, he loved Kobe Bryant. Uh, he was devastated a couple years ago when, when Kobe tragically passed away because that was his hero. That was his dude. He loved everything about Kobe Bryant, even though I kept telling him that Kobe learned everything from Mike. But anyways, um, but that was him. He, he, he loved that. He, he imitated Kobe. Uh, some of y'all uh, love watching cooking shows, Pioneer Woman, or, or, or any of these other Food Network shows, and uh, I, we actually have, Eddie and I have a really good friend that has uh, uh, Ina, what, what's, what's her name, the, uh, the Barefoot Contessa, uh, has like a, a whole shelf on her bookshelf of cookbooks, from, uh, from the Barefoot Contessa. And, uh, and whenever she cooks and everything, it's almost like she pretends like she is that, that particular chef. Uh, and y'all have that. Some of y'all know all about that, where you get a recipe and you're like, ooh, I want to do it just like that particular person. It's all imitation. Uh, some of you imitate uh, fashion. You you dress like the people that you that you love. You know how in business we say dress for success. And so uh, it used to be not so much anymore as everybody's kind of gone business cash, But but back in the day it used to be you know that if you wanted to dress for uh, uh, for success you got you got to wear your power suit, right? You got you got to take charge and you know show them who you are. You know uh, 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 th- th- you know that Im- uh, imitation as well. And of course, we can't talk about imitation without thinking about our parents. Uh, I, I know that the older I get, the more I am becoming my dad. Um, in fact, if I, I, I wish I had thought about it earlier. I would have uh, put a picture up here of my dad on my wedding day and myself on my wedding day. Why? Because I look a lot more like my dad on my wedding day than I do myself on my wedding day. Uh, I'm actually closer in age, as you could imagine, to my dad, and so the gray is starting to, to show Uh, I've just given up and just let it, you know, take over my head. Um, you know, and, and that's, you know, showing a lot more, but not only that, but even my sound, I'm starting to sound like my dad. I walk around and say, all right, who kept, who turned the lights on? You you turn off the lights, you know, or, or I'll see one of the kids standing in front of the refrigerator and just standing there and going, are you, are you paying the electric bill? You know, are you paying for that? You know, you better shut that door and all this, you know, or, or somebody runs outside, shut the door, you know, and everything, and I hear my dad and, and, and it's weird, you know, that, that how many of y'all have that experience that you, you'll talk and the more you talk, the more you sound like your folks. Um, even to the point that now I'm seeing some of my kids doing some of the things that I used to do when I was them and I'd have to give a little quick phone call to mom and dad and just go, I'm so sorry. I, everything that I did 20 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, I, I just, I'm so, so sorry that I put y'all through that. And it typically, the response that, that they give me is the response that I give my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm, mm, mm. Yeah. That's my parents, you know? And so all of this imitation, right? Imitation. More is caught than it is taught. You know, it's one thing when we talk about our parents and talk about how we imitate them. It's a good thing, of course, when our parents have been good models for us. It's a more unfortunate thing, of course, when our parents have not been good models for us. Some of you know what it's like to have parents who were addicts. Some of you know what it's like to have parents who were abusive, some of you know what it's like to have parents who did not have a good work ethic, or parents who were compulsive spenders, or, or, or all, all of the different examples that we could, we could talk about. And on one level, all of us know what it's like to have abusive, uh, to be abusive or abused children. We know what it's like to have abusive parents, because all of us have been children born in sin. And Paul will talk in here about the sons of disobedience. We know what it's like to be children, sons, daughters of disobedience. You know what it's like to, to have sin like a parent telling you what to do. Telling you where to go. Telling you what choices you ought to make. And, and you have suffered the consequences of, of listening to those, uh, that abusive parent of sin. Sin was the one who reared you. Sin was the one who raised you up. Sin was the one who taught you everything that you knew. And what's amazing is that God in His mercy saw us in that state and said, there's no one that ought to live in that situation. No one ought to live in a home like that. And so God, in kind of a holy CPS, has come into the home, raided the home, and taken us out of that abusive situation. And God, in his mercy, said, now you are my son. Now you are my daughter. The hard thing about it for each of us is that we still remember all that we've learned, all that was caught living in that bad house. Now we have to learn what it's like to live with a good, good father. We have to learn what it's like to to catch the things uh, that that pertain to him, the things of his character, the things of his heart, uh, the things of his will. And that's exactly where Ephesians 5 brings us. Paul's going to talk specifically about one aspect that is more caught than taught. And that aspect is our sexuality. We learned from a bad parent. We caught some things from an abusive parent that that has damaged us in many, many different ways. It's had, uh, uh, in some cases, deep, deep effects on who we are and deep, deep effects on how we think of ourselves, how we think of our bodies, how we think of others and their bodies and so on. And Paul says, you don't live in that home anymore. You have been rescued out of that house and now you are living as an adopted son and daughter under a good father, the Lord himself. Now we must relearn how to live. We must relearn how to think of ourselves. We must relearn how we think about other people. And we must relearn what life truly is all about. And the only way that we can do that, of course, as the adage says, more is caught than taught. So Paul is going to give us this command. You see it right there in verse 1 Therefore, be imitators of God be imitators of god how is it caught well it's caught by looking at him it's caught by focusing our gaze on him what is he like now i know you hear this and you go be imitators of god well thank you very much you know for quite possibly the most impossible command in all of the bible be like god thanks. Uh, How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to imitate what seemingly is an unimitatable being, right? I I cannot imitate omniscience, right? I know there are many times that I think I can, and I I confess that publicly for, for all of us. There are many days where I think I know more than I actually know. And I, there may be even times where I talk like I know more than I actually know, but I don't actually know everything. How am I supposed to imitate that? How am I supposed to imitate omnipresence? I, I, I've said this many times in, in, in my lifetime. I can't be in two places at once. Any of y'all ever said that before? I can't be in two places at once. You know, well, well, how can I do that? Because God literally can be in like all of the places at once. Uh, so how do we imitate that? How do we imitate uh, uh, you know, omnipotence? Uh, some of y'all are, are multitaskers. I'm not. Uh, I can only do one thing at a time and even then barely. Uh, you know, and, and, and all that, but God is omnipotent. I can do that one thing, and I need a nap afterwards, you know, and God does everything. He works all things together for, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, and he doesn't break a sweat. How does he do all that? Imitate him. Well, by imitating him, he's going he's gonna to say that those things, obviously, we, can, we can't imitate. We cannot be like him. We cannot be omniscient like him. We cannot be omnipotent like him. We cannot be omnipresent like him. We cannot be like him in those ways that only he can be. But there are things of God that he actually expects us to be as well. Look what he says. He says to imitate him, note, imitate him as his children. You see it says that there, verse 1? The imitators of God as his children. But notice it also gives a little qualifier. As beloved children. Imitate him as beloved children. First, wrap your mind around the fact that we are children of God. I love how John says it in 1 John 3. John says, behold or see what kind of love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And just in case you were waffling a little bit, just in case you weren't all too sure, he says, and such we are. We are children of God, okay? You are a child of God. You are his son. You are his daughter. He is our father. When was the last time you just let that sink in? When was the last time you just let it sink in that, that, that the, the, the spiritual DNA of our God, if you will, is reshaping us and rewiring us. We are becoming like him because we are his son and daughter. Uh, I look at my children, and I'm sure I've said this before, I look at them and, and it, well, to be very honest, I look at them and I see Annie's face um (laughs) I I see I my influence is very very little I influence the darker shade that that is about the only contribution that I have given uh to my children's appearance or anything like that Joshua's got a couple whiskers or so we'll see where that goes but uh maybe you know he may get some of dad's facial hair you know and everything maybe Noah might get some too hopefully the girls don't um, but, 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 you know, I look at, at them and, and I know that's, those are my kids. You know, they, they start acting and so on and I go, yeah, those are mine. Yeah, they're definitely, definitely mine. You know, th- that's what happens. As we are becoming, uh, uh, as we are his children, sons and daughters, we are being shaped to be like him. So we can imitate him because we literally are his sons and daughters. But note also just that word, that adjective, beloved sons and daughters. That's very important because the way in which we imitate him is in our love. Did you catch that? The way, you can't imitate him in his omnipotence. You can't imitate him in his omnipresence. You can't uh, imitate him in his, om, um, uh, what do I say, omniscience. You, you can't imitate him in all those different things, but, but you can imitate him in the way you love. There are a lot of people that say, I just want to be like him. <laughs> I just want to be like him. When you say that, do you mean, I want to love? like he loves. You have been dearly loved by our God. And that actually leads to the next command as we think of how we are to uh, imitate him. He, he gives us a command in verse two, he says, and walk in love. Walk in in love. You have been beloved as a child of God, as children of God. And so the way that you imitate him is by walking in love. You go into the scriptures and walk takes this, uh, this sense of, of a lifestyle. It's a, it's a way of life. Uh, think of the, the uh, life as a road. Think of it as a, as a pathway. And as you walk on that pathway, that's what he's talking about. This is your way of life. As you live your life, we are to live, as it says here, in love. What should characterize us as Christians? Love should characterize us. We have been loved as his children, and now we walk in love. And in fact, he even tells us how we're to do that. Notice he says, we walk in love as Christ loved us, okay? So the way we love is by loving like Christ. How did Christ love us? Well, two things he tells us here. He gave himself up for us, and it says he was a, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We could say it this way. He sacrificed himself for us, and he satisfied God for us. Okay? Let, let's think about that. He, he sacrificed himself for us. Christ loved us by laying down his life for us. We say these things, and I don't know if we really take the time to let it sink in over and over and over again. Jesus had flesh and blood just like us, human just like us, and he willingly, voluntarily went through the crooked justice system over in Rome and he went, or in, and in uh, Israel, and he went through trial after trial after trial of all of these guys that had all conspired to get a guilty sentence for him, even though he had done no sin, as was to test it over and over and over again through the process. But they were over here uh, uh, um, uh, 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 coercing and twisting uh, the, the gears of justice and so on in order to get that uh, plea or, or to get that verdict for him so that they could crucify him and when we talk crucifixion we're not just talking about you know he got a little lethal injection and it was over in a couple of husband and wife in their marriage enjoying sexual intimacy anything beyond that is found in that word porneia sexual immorality notice he also says impurity and he says that also in, in there, the, uh, the third word, covetousness. Now, I think that all of this in this context is dealing with sexual deviance. I think It's talking about ways that we go beyond. So impurity. Uh, you, uh, by the way, you could be in the, your own home. You could be in your marriage. But, but things that you are participating in is not pure before the Lord. what you're you're doing, what you're viewing, for instance, or anything like that could go against and beyond uh, the confines that the Lord has given to us. Covetousness, uh, your desire for someone else that is not your husband, your desire for someone else that is not your wife, that goes against against and beyond the bounds of scripture. He says, let these things must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Now we gotta kinda of decatholicize the word saint. All right. Saint is not talking about someone who's lived an exponentially uh, uh, amazing life, maybe has performed a couple miracles. That is the Catholic definition, by the way, that they have to have uh, uh, performed at least one or two miracles in their lifetime and so on. And they've just lived an exemplary life. Uh, they may ascend to the category of saint. And even then, it's not until a couple of years after they die. It's almost like the Hall of Fame uh for 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 catholics uh you know that hey you want your number goes up into the rafters congratulations uh it seems like that's how it is but that's not the biblical definition of saint biblical definition of saint is anyone that has been called out from this world into the family of god that means if you are a believer you are a saint all right. Now that doesn't mean you go around calling yourself Saint Hunter, you know, or anything like that. Uh, you you don't have to do that. But um, if if you want to, you know, whatever floats your boat. But but uh, but but all of us are saints, and and all of us uh, who have been or are a part of God's family is a saint. And He says here then that this idea of sexual immorality, of sexual sin, and so on, he says it's not proper among saints. If you've been called out to be God's children, his sons and his daughters, then that should not be even a category in your mind to say, this is the way that I should use my body, or this is the way that I should be thinking or viewing other people's bodies. No. No. Notice the word there for covetousness. I think carries in it also the the connotation when we're dealing about we're dealing with sexual morality and so on of objectification. When you're looking at someone and you no longer see the person as a person, now you just see that person as an object here to gratify you and your desires. It may just be a couple of minutes on the internet. It could be something even more extensive, you going to a hotel or you going and sneaking around, you know, into the house or, or, or anything, or you guys sneaking, you know, uh, say if you're a little bit younger, going behind the bleachers or, or something like that. Whatever those things are, your objectifying of another person is what he says is not to be named among you if you are a saint. He also talks about the way we talk. Look at verse four, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking. Uh, notice uh, in there, let there be no filthiness, it's this, this, this nastiness, the way we talk that's just, it's just dirty. We, we used to call it, um, uh, 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 you know, kind of the off-color, you know, uh, way of talking and, and, and so on. But now off-color has kind of become the standard way of talking. Uh, and he says foolish talk. Uh, the word there is moragia. Uh, um, if you think of the root word moron, there you go. <laughs> uh, talking like a moron talking like an idiot You know, stop this crude joking the dirty jokes and all that why is he against that it's, it, he says that he's a, uh, uh, or I think he's, he's saying that it's against the, uh, these things because we are saints we're not supposed to live like that but even more than that we're not supposed to uh, uh, de-signify uh, if you will or, or, or take what is up high and holy before the Lord. Take what is sacred and, and bring it down to be nothing. Sex is not just sex. Uh, you know, uh, 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 lusting is not just a, just a look. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a little glance. You know, no, there's no such thing as just a little When we're talking about these things, it's just a joke. I mean, you know, get over yourself. No, it's not just a joke. What it's revealing is that our hearts are saying, this is not as significant to me as it is to God. And he says, no, don't train your heart to belittle the things that God takes very seriously. So he says, we are not to do that. Why? Well, because it's inappropriate. It's not proper Among saints, as he says in verse 3. Notice in verse 5, we also read that it is idolatry. He says in verse 5, you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immortal or impure or is covetousness, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of of Christ and God. We'll talk about that last line in just a bit, but notice he says that you're an idolater if you do that. Notice those desires are leading you to put something else or someone in the category that only God should should occupy. You're putting them on a throne that is reserved for God and for God alone. And you're saying, I am willing to disobey God for just a little thrill. I'm, I'm willing to forego all that God has done in his love for me. I'm willing to. I'm willing to lay all of that aside just for a little, a little bit of fun. He says it's idolatry. You are worshiping another god when you engage in these types of practices. Well, not only that, but notice he also then says in verse five. Uh, that the one who does so has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And in verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Notice it's inappropriate, it's idolatrous, and it brings indignation. Note he says that these sons of disobedience the ones who are still in the house the ones who are still uh, indulging in their pleasures and so on who have not come out of there and have worshiped the one true and living God he says all of them are under the wrath of God they have no share in the inheritance of the kingdom and Paul is not saying that in order for us to look down on those who have who have, who have uh, uh, a past of of sexual uh, immorality or anything like that he's not saying that because of that he's saying that to warn us to say hey you've been pulled out of that house why would you go back into that house no you've been set free why would you go back no you have you have a better way of using your body a better way of using your imagination a better way of using your desires and your affections and so on why would I turn back to those things Uh, for some of us we need a little bit of a memory You know, we have a very selective memory. We remember uh, the the fun times, the thrills, and all of that. We don't have a tendency to remember the guilt. We don't have a tendency to remember the pain. We don't have a a tendency to remember the shame and, and, and all of these different things. And even on top of all of that, do you remember what it felt like to be separated from God? You remember that. Paul says, no, he says, don't don't get engaged in all of that. You that was the way you used to be. But now God is doing something different in you. He is doing something amazing for you. He says, no, that's not the way that we're supposed to live. He says, look, sexual sin, if you go in that direction, you are living just like those who are under the wrath of God. And even as he says in verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Words like, hey, love is love. Words like, everybody's doing it. Words like, you only live once. Words like, this is progressive. Words like, those who do the the opposite, they just want to take you back to the stone age. Let no one deceive you with these words. Let no one deceive you with the false images and the lies that say, hey, look, everybody's having such a great time. It's a great thing to disobey God. It's a great thing to live this way. Notice what they don't show you. They don't show you the drug abuse. They don't show you the, 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 the psychiatric help. They don't, they don't show you the suicide rates. They don't, they don't show you all of these other things that say, this is not the way to go. Let no one deceive you with these things. It's inappropriate, it's idolatrous, and it brings indignation. Now, there's some of us that are here, and, and again, you may mishear what Paul is saying here. Because some of you didn't choose this. For some of you, it was chosen for you. Someone violated you. Someone did to you what you never asked for. And the Lord is saying here, as we saw in verse 1 and in verse 2, you are loved. You are loved. God loves sinners. God loves those who have been sinned against. There is grace. Yes, if you continue on in this way, if you continue to live in this, in this way, if, if you will not reach out and trust in the saving love of Jesus Christ, then yes, when you leave this world, you will receive the wrath of God. But the good news is that Jesus took that wrath upon himself and he absorbed it all on the cross as we saw. He gave himself up for you so that you could experience his love and not his wrath forever. You can be restored, you can be redeemed, you can be washed clean, or even as he's about to say, you can live in the light. That's what he goes on to say here. We are to imitate God, we're to walk in love, and we're to walk as children of light. As he says in verse 7, therefore do not become partakers with them. Uh, Literally, don't share in them, with them. Don't don't try to mimic them or anything like that. The word there is very similar to the word of imitators in verse 1. He says, don't be like them in that. For at one time you were darkness. Ah, here comes the grace. At one time you were darkness darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You mean to tell me that for the, the uh, sexually immoral, for the impure, for the covetous, for the filthy speaking, the foolish speaking, the crude joking, and all of that, you mean to tell me that Paul is talking to people who used to live that way? Yes. And I love that because I look at us, as TCC, I realize that there's some of us that, that probably could add our names to that list too, can't we? I know what it's like to be sexually immoral. I know what it's like to have dirty, a dirty mouth, a potty mouth, as, as some of the grown-ups used to say when I was a kid. Uh, I, I, know what it, I know what it's like to have soap in my mouth. <laughs> I've, I've had that experience too yeah it's gross uh, don't do that to your kids um, you know, I, I, I know what, that's, what, what all of that is like and yet God has redeemed me Christ has loved me he has not left me in the mess but he's pulled me out of it he hasn't left me in the darkness as he says there in verse 7 but now I am light in the Lord and many, many, many of you can say the same thing Does that mean that you no longer have sexual temptation or anything like that? No, no, we still live in this world. It's still all over the place and you still wrestle and you still grapple and so on, but you're no longer in the darkness. Because of Jesus, you are now in the light. There may be some of you who are here who don't trust Christ as your Savior, and and, and, uh, you you look at your own life, and perhaps you've got some stories that you could tell of of different things that have happened in your life over the years, and and, and you look at Christians, and you go, why in the world would I ever want to be a part of that group? I mean, they're just a bunch of holier-than-thou, just walking around, you know, and everything, and you're going, why in the world would I want to be a part of that group? Here's why you want to be a part of that group. Because we didn't always used to be a part of this group. (laughs) Because we've got pasts, we've got stories to tell of ways that we've completely screwed up our lives. Ways that we, that we thought we knew what we were doing with our lives, and we were going in the exact wrong way. We were going totally in the opposite way as God would have us. And God, in his grace, did not leave us to ourselves, but he, in his mercy, invaded our lives, and he gave us love that we've never found in this world, love that can only come from above, a love that says, I will lay down my life to take your sentence upon myself so that you can be set free. We are a part of this group, not because we got everything together, but because we know the one who's able to put it all together. And because of him, we are able and now free to love you, to love one another, and to love our enemies, and to love as Jesus has loved us. And so we walk now as children of light. He says, the fruit of light in verse 9 is found in all that is good and right and true. And we try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. We're no longer living for our own selfish pleasures or anything like that. We are saying, Lord, whatever will please you, that's what we want to do. Because you are the one who is right and you are the one who's good and you are the one who is true. You teach us, help us catch who you are so that we can be just like you in the way that we live. Notice we embrace our identity as light, but not only that, but we also expose the works of darkness. In verse 11, he says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light, and therefore it says, and he's quoting here, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you that's what's going on here and so Paul is telling us here that we not only are to embrace our identity as light we're no longer partners with with those who are of the darkness we're not in that crew anymore we're out of the house but now also in verse 11 take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them that's what we do we are not here to indulge in the sin. We're rather, uh, we have the responsibility to tell the truth about it. And that's why we look so weird in this culture. Because we're called to tell the truth. We're called to tell the truth that our bodies are not just expendable to do whatever we want to do with our bodies. No, no. You were fearfully and wonderfully made by a gracious creator. Does that mean that everything works the way that it should? No, we're we're fallen creatures in a fallen world. But but what it does mean is that our Lord is good in his design and good in what he's done. That means then that, that, that we are not just to use our sexuality for our own pleasure and so on. But no, it has a purpose. We have been made by God, and we have been made for His good will and His good purposes. And God in His design has called for marriage to be the, the, the safe and, and, uh, and, and good uh, foundation and good context for where sexual pleasure is to be enjoyed. And do we say that because we hate it? No. We say it because we're learning from the one who invented it. And in his good will and in his good pleasure, he says, this is how you will love best. It's here in the security of marriage. Again, we live in a fallen world. Things don't always work the way that they should work. But we see God's purpose and we affirm that he is good and he is right and he is true. We are here to tell the truth. That's what he means here by exposing. We're here to tell the truth. So as you are here today, you may live in a in a context. I wish I had more time. This is such an amazing subject to talk about. You may live in a context where people aren't all that happy with the truth. Where people may look at you as being bigoted. They may look at you as being crazy. Uh, They may look at you as being oppressive or repressive, and so on. Because uh, we just want to tell the truth about what God has said. How do we respond? think all of these tell us how we're supposed to respond we imitate god (laughs) we imitate the one who has taught us how to love and we walk in that love following jesus by laying down our lives for those that are around us and we walk as children of light we tell the truth we don't just tell the truth you know like a bunch of hotheads or whatever and try to win points and win arguments and try to win the culture war and all that that's not what we do we tell the truth in love as paul would say earlier in chapter four we tell the truth as those who used to be in the darkness but now are in the light and we tell the truth because we want so desperately for others to join us in the light and in the love of our lord jesus christ Some things are more caught than taught. God in his grace has brought us into his family so that we would learn from him. Not only that, but that we would shine in our community to show others what it looks like to be a child of the living God. My prayer for each one of you is that in this context of sexual purity, that you would live in such a way as to say i used to be in darkness but now i am in the light so i'm going to walk as a child of light i used to be one that was in another house but now the lord has brought me into his house in his great love and so i'm going to walk in love and by his grace and for his glory i'm going to imitate him in the way that i live around my neighbors and the way that I live in my witness to the nations. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us another way of living. Not one that is marked by objectifying ourselves or objectifying other people one that is marked by the very love which with with which you have shown us in jesus teach us lord not to confuse your love with other false loves teach us lord to uh, to learn from you to sit in your presence to be so close to you that who you are becomes more and more who we are that lord we would live in a manner that is worthy of Christ lord there are some that are here today that are that are in the throes it's a battle lord i thank you that there's a battle Thank you, Father, that the war has not been over, and that they have not waved a, a white flag or anything like that, but because of Jesus, there is victory. And so they press on and they fight on until the day when the war will indeed be over. Lord, have mercy on them. Give them strength and grace as they gaze upon your beauty and your face, that they may continue, Lord, to love Jesus and through Jesus and by him learn how to love other people as well thank you Lord for your mercy there are those Lord who have been um, so uh, hurt by things of the past that they wonder if you would ever love them and Lord we see in your word that that you indeed are a God of incredible love may they hear from you Lord even now I have loved you. Walk in my love. Set them free, Lord, from the guilt and from the shame. Set them free, Lord, to love even as you have loved them. And I thank you. Lord, I pray that we would indeed be a people um, who walk in a different direction, who have a better word to give to our neighbors, I pray, Lord, that by your spirit, you would continue to set us free, and that, Lord, by your grace, you would continue to set even more free. And I thank you, Lord, for all these things. Even now, Lord, may you be working in us as we respond to your word. We pray in Jesus' name.